When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to Memory Lane, where we share the favorite stories of Pittsburgh sports stars. I'm very pleased to be joined today by former Pirates pitcher Kent Tocolvi, who won the 1979 World Series, was on the mound for the final out against the Baltimore Orioles. A tremendous, tremendous memory for Pirates fans. Teak, how are you today, sir? Everything going well? Corey, I'm doing great, and uh, I think you gave me a little too much credit. There's about eight, eight or 24 other guys on that team that need just about as much credit as I do. I just happen to be the last guy standing on the hill. You know, Teek, uh, I like to talk about favorite memories and everything. People are very familiar with you because you had a lengthy broadcasting career as well following your playing career. What are you up to now? What, are, what, uh, what would you like Pirates fans to know about what you're doing these days? Well, pretty much uh, three years ago, I retired from doing the pre- and post-game shows, doing the television stuff, and have just been basically chasing nine grandchildren around. Three of them are in Denver, and the other six are within five minutes of our house. So we are very handy for uh, babysitting and um, duties that need to be done with the grandchildren. And basically, it probably consumes more, more time during the day than it did when I was playing, the baseball consume. So uh been plenty busy with the family and uh you know, just kind of taking it easy and um just doing all the little things and you know that I wanted to do when I was playing and just couldn't work into the schedule particularly during the summer. You know, th- that part is important because baseball is an all consuming type of thing. We talked with Jordy Mercer recently. He just retired Teak and he was saying the same thing. Now he gets to be involved with his kids and coaching his kids. When when you're a when you're a professional baseball player and you're gone so long and the days are so long, h- how tough can it be if you're a family man? Well, it, it, it's tough on everybody. I mean, it's tough on us as, you know, fathers that are, not, are away from our families for a lot of time. And it's also tough, obviously, on the family members not having their father around. I mean, you figure a regular baseball season, if you start in the middle of February with uh, spring training, and then you're involved on a, basically a daily basis until the 1st of October, unless you get into the postseason, you know, that's seven and a half months of uh, time where 50% of it you're on the road. And so you're not around your family at all. And then the other 50%, 
you know, especially once the kids get a little older and go to school, they're up in the morning and gone before you wake up. You, you know, you may see them get off the bus at three o'clock to say hi and give them a kiss. And then you're heading for the ballpark to get ready for batting practice and all the stuff you have to do for your activity. So it's, you know, there's a lot of activities that get missed. And, you know, it's, it's, it's almost like now I'm trying to get those, those, um, situations back, not by viewing, you know, my, with my own kids, but with my grandkids. It's just, you know, that opportunity wasn't there then for the majority of my career to be able to, uh, to do any of that. So, yeah, I mean, it's tough all the way around as far as, not, not tough, but it makes your job miserable. Job's still fun. Um, you know, obviously playing Major League Baseball, you can't beat it. You know, you're, everything goes well. The family finds a way to work through it, but, there are a lot of things that, you know, boy, I wish I could have been there for that. Wish I could have seen that. And then just because of your job, it doesn't, uh, it doesn't allow you to do that until you're, in, in my case, <laughs> 42 years old. And by then, you know, kids are off to college and uh, everything else is going on. You know, that all of that stuff is so important. When we talk to former athletes, everybody wants to hear about your career and your favorite memories, and we'll get into the 79 World Series, but all of that stuff is important to me. I, I've got young kids, that I've got nine-year-old twins, and I, I can always empathize with athletes, uh, entertainers, celebrities who are on the road all the time. You, you miss that time, and it is it, it, it's, it can't be overstated that, Teak, you're a human being. Athletes are human beings. I think sometimes we have a tendency as sports fans to just see you as an athlete, to just say, hey, you exist to me when you come in and pitch for the Pittsburgh Pirates. But and you, boy, would I love to do that. Yeah, yeah, right, I'm sure. But, but you have a life. Every, the athletes have lives and families, and I do think sometimes that can get lost on, on just regular people because we, we, we just kind of encapsulate our athletes or entertainers or celebrities within the realm that we know them or the field that we know them in. Yeah, I mean, you know, don't take this in any way that I'm complaining about the time that I had playing Major League Baseball. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not complaining whatsoever. It's just the, um, you know, if, if you ask 100 athletes, 100 former athletes, when, you know, when they retired, what they missed the most. Uh, traveling and, you know, being away from your family is probably the, the uh, last thing on everybody's list. Yeah. Everybody, you know, you miss your teammates. You miss the competition. You miss, you know, you know everything that goes along with it. But the last thing on everybody's list, which means it's the thing they miss the most, is the fact that you know the traveling takes you away from home from so long, and and you know you're at the age when you're an athlete, depending on whether you get you know get to the major leagues at uh, you know 23 or in my case 28 or 29, you know the, that time period includes when the, you know the kids are small, they're growing, they're learning, you know they are off to school for the first day of school, this that and the other thing, and you know birthday parties and all the other stuff you really kind of miss their childhood. And um, like I said, it's, it's part of the deal. And I wouldn't, you know, my family nor myself would trade either one of those in for the other. But nonetheless, uh, you know, 
it just has to, it's just something that's there and you can deal with it as best you can. And unfortunately, I've got a wife who is very, very good at not needing to be Mrs. Ticaldi, very happy to be the mother of Kent Ticaldi's children and sit in the background, not ever, you know, nobody knows who she is and, you know, really made that situation for me as, uh, as easy as it could possibly have been. But, uh, you know, it still existed and really more to her credit than mine, we were able to survive it and get through it. And, uh, you know, the kids turned out all right and everything, everything that you missed still worked out. So that, that's, that's the bottom line. Wow. I, I love that. I appreciate you sharing all of that because that is, that's really, really powerful stuff. Um, how much, how many, how often are you asked and, and asked to talk about the 1979 World Series? It, it is such a tremendous memory for sports fans in Central, Western PA, all over Eastern Ohio. H- how much, how frequently does somebody say to you, hey, T, 79, 79, Orioles, family, how, how often does it come up? Um, it comes up a lot. And a lot of the times, it doesn't start out coming up. You know, I'll be talking to somebody about something else and they'll mention a situation or they'll mention something that happened or, you know, might be sitting, sitting at a, a, my granddaughter's softball game, you know, talking to someone of their parents. And then all of a sudden, we'll be talking about something that will work into the 1979. It's not always, it's not always everybody's, you know, number one question they come running over they want to know about it. But, uh, you know, so much of the, um, so many of the great stories that I have that I can tell are around that ball club and around the way, you know, that season went and the things that happened and all of that. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's out there a lot. It's not always the beginning of the conversation, but usually works its way somewhere into it. Is winning the World Series your favorite career memory? I mean, we can assume that would maybe be the case, but um, is there is that the pinnacle for you, or was it something else? Was it pitching so long in the major leagues? What do you really remember the most? Well, I think I'm proud of you know I'm proud of all the accomplishments I had. Number one, I wasn't supposed to be a super. I wasn't supposed to even be in the big league. I wasn't supposed to be a major league player. Things just worked out. You know, if you were to listen to any scouts along the line or listen to anybody else, or if you just looked at me the first time you saw me and you said, what the hell's he doing out there? You know, I mean, that, you know, that part of it was great. But, um, you know, yes, the World Series, winning the World Series is the ultimate. And, you know, I could win all kinds of awards, I won some awards, all this, that, and the other thing. But on February 15th of every year, I don't know how many there are now, but there's been some expansions, probably close to a thousand players go to spring training. And every one of those thousand go to spring training to win a World Series. And I played for 15 years, and 15 years I went to spring training trying to find a way to win a World Series. 
And in 1979, we were able to do that. And we were able to, you know, when we I actually mentioned this to Bill Madlock out on the field before the last out. I had struck out the first two guys in the top of ninth inning. We had a four to nothing lead. And the ball goes around the infield. Madlock, you know, typically is one just throws it back to me. Well, I walked halfway over to third base where we were, um, you know, where he caught the ball and he just handed it to me, just put it in my glove. And I looked at him and I said, Dog, of course, the men with Mad Dog. I said, Dog, you know what? And I think at that time there were, let's see, probably 24 teams in Major League Baseball. I said, 23 other teams went to spring training looking for this last out, and we're going to be the only one to find it. And then went back and, you know, went ahead and got the last out. But it was just the idea. I don't know. I don't, I hadn't planned it, didn't know why I said it. But the fact that the 25 of us, out of all the players that played in the major leagues in 1979, well, there more than 25 of us, because we had guys, some guys, you know, obviously coming in and out for injuries and replacements and stuff like that. But I mean, our group was the only group that was able to accomplish that. And now when I think back on it, after having played for 15 years on some pretty dang on good baseball teams, particularly the other ones in the beginning, the pirate teams that we had in the mid, mid to late seventies. And we, I, you know, it was one world series. And that was the only time out of that with, with good teams and good players that I was able to help enough and they were able to help me enough to be able to make that statement. We are the best team in baseball. We are the only team in this year that was capable of, you know, and, and actually won the World Series. All these years later, are you able to pinpoint why? Are there two or three reasons why in 1979 the Pirates were the last team? Stand? Obviously, it was a great team. You had a lot of great players, but a lot of teams have a lot of great players. And as you mentioned, that was the only time you were able to do it. Why that year? Why that specific group and that specific season? Um, it, it's hard to pick out a why or it's hard to pick about a moment or a, a situation or, you know, a, a challenge that we had that somebody else didn't have or whatever it was because, you know, it took every bit of what every player on that team contributed to get there. If you remember, we won we won the Eastern Division on the last day of the season. Uh, we won here against in Pittsburgh at Three Rivers against the Cubs, and uh, Philadelphia beat Montreal up in Montreal. So we went to the last day of the season. So yeah, Willie hit you know, all the home runs. I saved all the games. Burke Eleven had this many wins. This guy did this. This guy did that. And you know, you always talk about all the big name guys, but. If that game that Matt Alexander ran for Ed Ott in the ninth inning with two outs to give us a better chance to score, you know, get a base hit and score a run and win a game, we don't win without Matt Alexander being a pinch hitter or a pinch runner, excuse me, in that situation. We don't win 
unless Mike Lees, Mike Eastler walks to the plate in extra innings in Chase Stadium and hits a home run to win us the game. You know, yes, all the big things are fine, but you know, when you think back on it, it took every bit of what everybody contributed. I mean, you know, you're not always successful. I didn't say every, save every game I won out there. Willie didn't hit it, although it seemed like it. He didn't hit a home run every time. But, um, you know, it took the accomplishment. The other, you know, we, had, we kind of had a saying. Says, I don't know what you got to give me today, but give me 100% of whatever it is. And that's really kind of how you melt it down. It took 100% of what, you know, somebody had a, a sore leg and taped it up and played, or somebody really, you know, whatever it was, every single one of those incidents had to be there, or else we don't even win the uh, National League East, more or less the World Series. Teak, is that what the family part means? I mean, I know we can all, we can look at the song, We Are Family, and everything like that, and, and maybe you have a, your own definition for why the team was a family, but in hearing you say that with getting contributions from everybody, how much of that was part of how the family component came about? Well, I, you know, the Pirates Ball Club, so I came up in 1974 for a month. I came up in 75 and then stayed through, uh, I traded in April of 85. And, you know, yes, 1979, we are family, you know, we won the World Series and all the other stuff. That ball club, was the, you know those other ball clubs were all the same as that one, the the combination in the clubhouse, the unity, the effort, everything else. It was just the timing, more or less, of the luck, the the lucky timing of the fact that Sister Sledge came out with a hit song at a time where you know it kind of hit the top of the charts about the same time. Our pirate club, who was normally a slow starter in the beginning of the year, in the middle of May or so, caught fire. So the lyrics kind of, you know, kind of matched our, ourselves. I mean, obviously, we could have been brothers in me, but sisters in me, that worked. We were okay with that. And, um, you know, it was... It was as if we didn't one in '77, that we had one in '78, and that song was popular at that time and became our theme song. That would have been the same thing. It wouldn't have mattered. We we were there for a long time. It just happened that the timing of the song and the way way our team was, the way we felt about each other, and um, you know, I think one of the things that surprised everybody because you know. Where our family comes out, all of, all of a sudden, you know, that's such, you know, we're, we're such a hype unit. We're, we're, you know, the, well, we're the family. You know, that's it. Everybody, everybody loves everybody else. Everybody, you know, does their part. Everybody has their job to do. But that wasn't different than any other years. The song just happened to match, match the time. Mm-hmm. The time just happened to match, you know, when their song got to be a hit, matched when we started getting hot. And it was just like, you know, then you throw in, you know, along the line, two weeks in a row, you know, we got to beat the Phillies. They've won the division three years in a row. 
two weeks in a row, we get walk-off home runs in the ninth inning from Ed Ott and uh, John Milner that games that we're not supposed to win. You know, when you give up eight or nine runs, you're not supposed to win. But yet we did. And we did it, you know, Chuck Tanner always being uh, a little bit willing to be a little bit different than everybody else, decided to let Black Tanner sit off the tug of McGraw and he had his reason, or at least he said he had his reason, that he was, you know, McGraw's best pitch was a uh, screwball. And therefore, he doesn't throw that to, uh, to, to left-handers. He only throws it to right-handers because he's a left-handed pitcher. So that, you know, at least that was his story, and he was sticking to it about the fact that, you know, that's why he did it. So you, you put the song, you put the, you know, the TV gets hot, you put these special things that are happening that aren't supposed to happen, and you put together that, and all of a sudden, that's where the family comes from. The amazing part about it was people had for years talked about the Pittsburgh Pirates. And when you looked around the clubhouse, you know, and, you know, think back to those times, you know, there was, you know, racial unrest. There was all kinds of things going on. You couldn't have had a more diverse group of, of men in a clubhouse than we had in ours. You know, and, and the way it was handled, I mean, you know, the white guys were always telling the black guys, that, you know, you're not the minority, we are. And because there were more blacks and Latins than there were whites. Uh, you know, we had three Panamanians. Who in the hell has three Panamanians on their team? But that group, it didn't matter. You know, Willie used to say, you know, when, you put, when we put these shirts on, all of them were the same. They all say pirates across the front of them. And that means, you know, we are the pirates, and that's who we are. And that's, that was really what that family atmosphere was about in the clubhouse. thing I'd like to ask you were talking earlier Bill Madlock gives you the ball back for the final out you had closed you had finished a lot of games in your career at that point uh, can you share what's going on in your mind for the last out was it anything different in terms of you knew this was the last out of the World Series you get the fly ball to Omar Moreno in center field to, to finish it you jump straight up in the air and you're you're excited can you can you describe what's going on in your mind as you're making the final pitch and you see the the ball caught and you've just won the World Series yeah you know it's interesting you know every kid who grows up playing ball, has some dream or another at some time or another about winning the World Series. You know, I'm going to be a pro ball player. I'm going to, I'm going to win the World Series. What's it going to be like and all the other stuff? I don't know about the rest of the guys, but that entire World Series, the good moments and, and actually the bad moment when I was playing, you know, when I lost uh, game four to put us in that three to one hole, those dates could have been July 6th, 7th, and 8th. I had, there was nothing different than me throughout that whole thing. I was, it was, I don't know why, can't explain it, but it was just another game. I will, you know, got runners on first and second and one out, and this is what I need to do. These are who the hitters are. And um, that's the way it went the whole thing, okay? 
I got to, you know, I got to save in game two. Okay, did my job. You know, lost game four. Going well, you know, I, that doesn't feel so good. I don't like that. It wasn't that I lost a, a game four of the World Series. I had just lost the game we played that night, uh, and then come back and uh, save six and seven. And you know, it was so odd that I did what I did with Madlock because of the fact that 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 wasn't my nature. I very seldom talked to the other players out on the field. About the only time I would talk to anybody, particularly the infielders or if they had made an error behind me. And I, I was almost universal with it. You know, I turned around and looked at them and said, get ready, because the next one's coming to you. It's turn two. And, you know, to take them, get them off of thinking about that. Well, that's the way the World Series was. It was the same way, and I said that to Medlock, and, you know, when I turned around and walked back to the mound, that went completely out of my mind. I had... I was not thinking about that at all. I wasn't thinking about the last out of the seventh game. I was not thinking about the last out of this game. But I was, you know, going ahead doing what I need to do. Pat Kelly's up at the plate. I need to do this. You know, we have a four-run lead. Make sure, you know, you don't start walking people and all the other stuff. And then about the, what, third or fourth pitch, I guess it was, he just the fly ball left center. And Omar drifts over there, and the the ball drops into his glove. And even though I just had that conversation with Madlock right before he came to the plate, right before I jumped up in the air, and that's probably why I got my 16th vertical leap, because that's about as good as I can do, um, I went, oh, my God, we just won the World Series. That was the first time that I had even thought about winning the World Series while that entire seven games was going on. Seven games were going on. I was thinking about playing baseball games, thinking about ways, you know, whatever I could do to help my team, uh, knowing that if I needed help, I could count on those other 24 guys. And uh, the, the fact that it was the World Series did not really enter into my mind while I was on the field on the mound until that ball landed in Omar's glove. I don't know why. I, um, you know, it's just the way it was. I remember there was a situation in, um, let's say it was in the eighth inning. Bases loaded two out Matty Murrayton. And, I mean, we're in Baltimore. You know, we're, they're down four to one. This is the big chance. This is their last big chance. And, um, you know, place is going crazy. Everybody's screaming and yelling. We're in Baltimore, of course. And, um, you know, ended up getting out of that situation and then, you know, got out, you know, in and out of the ninth inning pretty easy. And when I got home, one of my friends asked me, he says, in the eighth inning, when Murray was sitting, he says, how could you even think as loud as it was out there? And I, I told him, I was asking him, you know, what noise? How noisy it was? How, what noise? Mm-hmm. And he said, the place is going crazy. I, I heard none of that noise. I saw none of the people standing up screaming and yelling and doing whatever they were doing. I came back. VHS had just come out. The VHS machines, one sort of the, the tape would pop out of the top of it. You might even be old enough to remember it. Uh, yes. But nonetheless, <laughs> 
you know, I had before the World Series, I had bought one of those. So I went home afterwards, and the guys asked me the question. I, I went to the game show, and I went to the you know the eighth inning with Eddie Murray hitting. That was the first time that I realized how loud that stadium was. When I was going through that, when I was standing out on the mound pitching to Murray, thinking about what I need to do, what I need to throw, um, you know, the coaches back there, um, you know, calling the signs and all that. At that point in time in my life, I was in Memorial Stadium. There were only four of us there. I was pitching. Nikosha was catching, Eddie Murray was hitting, and whoever was behind the plate was umpiring. And it was completely silent. There was nothing going on except that confrontation. And um, so, you know, it's kind of interesting, and it is for me at least, you know, put me in any other situation, I'll hear everything and I'll see everything. But for some reason, I had been able to you know, not always, but at times just get locked into what I guess they call it the zone and be able to eliminate all of the distractions and just focus on what you're doing. And uh, that's the way that whole World Series went. I was focused on the game. I was focused on what I needed to do and did not realize until the thing was over that, oh, my God, we just won the World Series. What a fantastic story. Tremendous gentleman. I have always uh, appreciated when you've taken the time, uh, when you've come to here in Altoona or, or on the radio tour to share some stories, and I greatly appreciate you sharing these stories, Teak. Uh, just fantastic stuff. Wish you nothing but the best, and really, really appreciate all your time. Well, Corey, thank you for having me on, and uh, the best to you also. Very good. Thanks so much.